about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Matak Mahoy. Okay. All right. And <laughs> with that, I guess those of the you know when you hear that, you worst know. gig ever has just begun with fake Hebrew. <laughs> yes, I'm Jeff Garlock. I'm Mike Pace. We have a great show for you today. We have Justin Cherno and Scott DeSimon, longtime friends, bandmates. Yes. Lovers, I don't know where, where we're going. They've been this. together forever, and we hear about it all. They were in Pitch Blend together and then uh, in Turing Machine together. We've got some uh, some great stories of the early, heady days of indie rock. Yeah, and these guys, I mean, if you want to hear about the scronk scene of the early 90s, if, look if, no <laughs> further. If you want stories about bands that Thurston Moore would just be champing at the bit to write terrible <laughs> descriptions of. That's uh, a lot of the bands that they played with. Yeah, so you get a really nice overview of touring in the early 90s and really really slugging it out in the trenches, not only with with Pitch Blend, and then you get into Touring Machine, uh, and and you see touring. how they're... Tour, touring Machine. Yeah, that's what I said. You said Gall- Touring. Galling, well, they were a Touring they Machine. They were a Touring Machine as Touring Machine. Yes. Both bands are Touring Machines. Yes. <laughs> touring Machine uh, took a different approach. Definitely. They were doing it on their terms. They learned... These guys learned a lot. They they saw a lot of things firsthand. There's a lot of action, drama. Uh, there's sex. There's some great stuff in this. Was there sex? So, oh, yeah. Remember, Justin yeah. tells a great story about the dwarves. Oh, the sex. Yes, now I do remember the sex. If you've got, though, any great stories about sex, I don't know if we're going to want to hear them, but why not? Send, uh, send an email. Send an email to worstgigever at gmail.com. Or uh, you want to check out old episodes, go to worstgigeverpodcast.tumblr.com uh, or to iTunes. Leave us some uh, feedback, some ratings. Go to our Facebook page, Worst Gig Ever. Like yep. us. Yes. We just want to be liked. There's a lot of stuff going on. Plus, Turing Machine put out a new record Yes, uh, last year. Fantastic they record. They play periodically. They are a great bunch of guys. They're good storytellers. They, they brought in a list of all their shows, so we have specific dates. I have it at home. I've been looking at look it. Look at that. That's uh, fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, we got specific you dates. You are going to like the way you look when you listen to this episode. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says it all. Yeah. Justin Charnel and Scott DeSimon. On Worst Gig Ever. <laughs> when you guys announced that you had the show, I think of a very specific show, and Scott will be able to refer to the date because he has the list of pitch blend shows. True. But I mean, I had done some touring before that, was, which was horrible, which hopefully, hopefully we'll get into. But on the pitch blend tour, I have a very specific memory of playing in. The place escapes me. I still see the room. It looks like a like 30-foot ceiling, all-wooden roadhouse joint. And it's either in Mississippi or Alabama. <laughs> and we got there a day early, and the promoters put us up. 
And it was this really freaky, grim house where these two dudes sat on the couch the whole time. And watched and, Bad Lieutenant. And watched Bad Lieutenant, which, by the way, we had never seen, which is amazing. So it was after 1992. Had a Gatefold like record, and they just picked seeds out of weed the whole time because it's pre-seedless weed. Right. Yes. So they would, technology wasn't, hadn't come, to our, hadn't come to us yet. And, and like, so we had this long lead into this gig that took forever, and we were trapped in this weird town in this weird house, and those weird guys town, were never going to sleep. Was... And that was also the room we were sleeping in, because <laughs> maybe your listeners haven't understood this because of the famous people you've interviewed, but most <laughs> bands time. sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag. <laughs> and Wait, did you ha- just to fill in, yeah. did you have a sleeping bag at that point? I did at that point. Well, okay, because yeah. we've been on tour uh, yeah. for yeah. the listener. Me and Justin yeah. were in a band called Panthers for many years, and it took about half of those six to seven years for you to buy it. I had thrown out my sleeping bag and refused to ever sleep in one again because it also meant that I got the bed. Right. That's true. But Go anyway, on. anyway, so so we're trapped in this house with these guys and and the gig finally comes and when we play the gig and there aren't very many people there. Uh. <laughs> and then we start playing. How many people were there? Let's we give st- a guesstimate for that. Eleven. Perfect. Good and the room, the room is probably... Five times too big <laughs> for a band that would draw 200 people, maybe? In their it was a really big bar, from what I remember. So maybe I just see it in retrospect as being bigger because it was so empty. And as people started to leave, there came a moment where it was only us and the sound guy. <laughs> and I leaned down and looked at my guitar and I looked back up and the sound guy had left. <laughs> So we had literally, truly cleared the room <laughs> wow. all the way down to the employee of the bar because the place where they served the alcohol was in the other room, which was also as big. Right. I would feel like maybe perhaps we had been overbooked. Uh, cavernous. That was, uh, Do we have an actual date? That was Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. 9-17-93. Uh, what I remember about that uh, was there was a football game in town, and I've That's never, true. ever <laughs> been exposed to college football, and it was terrifying. Because sure. Do you guys know anything about Southern college football? We're like, Senior citizens retire and they drive around in RVs and yeah, yeah. and it's like really serious. Um, our friend Adam Wills, yep. from Barrett Heaven, yep. from that's where he's from. Roll he knows tide. Roll Tide Roll. <laughs> that's like that's he he will he can go on and on about this. But I did learn about food on that trip because that was the first time I had meat and three. That's oh, true. Yeah. Wait, what's and that was not delicacy. that was not a porno thing. <laughs> it was not. Before or after we sat in front of the laundromat for an hour that and a half. Kind of fine move. But was that like a classic? Like usually there's not a big game going. Like well, we, usually there's not like a huge college. Uh, no, we actually down. were not booked to, as a part of the game celebration either. By the way, so or no, just the idea we were not. We were, were, part of the were you playing with Big Local Draw or were you playing with uh, we some playing. other? <laughs> we were definitely playing with, we with, with tiny local draw. What day <laughs> the, does it say the day of the week? Uh, we were doing a, uh, our show is either on Friday or Saturday because the game is on Saturday. Ooh, good day to be playing in Tuscaloosa. I do remember that a woman came up after our show and gave us a tape and she had some sort of oh, stage I remember name. This. I remember her stage name. I forget what her stage oh, name was. It was not a good stage <laughs> So we put the tape in as we were driving away. It wasn't very good. So somebody That was me. <laughs> held on to the tape and put the cassette out the window and let it trail behind us. Yeah, so I held the tape. I had no idea. Yeah, and I held the the t- literally put my finger through the tape as the cassette flew behind the van, and then we trailed all of the tape behind us. And then we were such wimpy, like passive aggressive indie rock guys that nobody talked for twenty minutes because we felt so bad. About it. <laughs> 
I feel like we may have passed her as she was walking, but maybe that was just what I was hoping. <laughs> hey, that's my tape. Happen. It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. The tape wasn't no. very good. No. You get a lot more well, air with CDs a few years exactly. later. We had to react against someone for what a terrible problem we had in Tuscaloosa because it obviously wasn't our fault. <laughs> God, no, no, it certainly no. wasn't that our music wasn't pleasurable. <laughs> our 45 minutes of inside jokes and yelling and detuned guitars wasn't the problem nobody cared It was came all the made show. up for the, the next night when we uh, played Shreveport. So, oh, Shreveport. Right. Always a good one. <laughs> and, and I've uh, talked about a Panther with, Shreveport show. With the New Bomb Turks, amount. though. It was a good show. Wait, with who? With, New, uh, Bomb New Bomb Turks. We played oh. during the day at a yeah. community college, from like what a, I remember. And the, 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 another show Another yeah. show where we went We went that night to stay with some weirdos <laughs> in like an apartment complex, strip mall kind of condo thing. And it was the first time I ever had jambalaya. That's right. All, my, really all my bad show stories <laughs> are hooked really into, wait, wait, hooked into my food meat. addiction. What's a three meat? Meat and, meat and three. three. You get meat three. and three. So, so, so you would just have the three. Perfect. You'd probably get because a Jeff is a vegetarian. <laughs> yes. but, but so, For the so you would be like, give me the barbecue, or give me the pulled pork, and then you get three sides. So you'd be like oh, mac and cheese, collards, collards, collards and sweet beans. potatoes. Sweet Delicious. Beans. It was awesome. Uh, so at this point in Tuscaloosa, how long has Pitch Blend been a band at this point? About two years. Okay, how are the? Sh- is this what the shows are generally like? This, at this is point? what the shows are like in towns that you play because it's on the way to the other towns, right? Yeah, you, we were you, all, yeah. you expected hopefully to get gas money. At that point, we had a booking agent, so we'd get maybe a hundred bucks. Which and we had great. a really good book. We actually really lucked out, and we were booked by Flower Booking. Uh huh. Yeah. So we were one of many bands. One of many bands. Oh yeah. We were yeah. one of many bands. Scott, that flower, give me a- your dog is an alcoholic. <laughs> um, we were one of many bands like booked by, like by Flower that that we, we used to say that um, we were sort of pawns in the game of the, the venue getting Tortoise to right. play there. Right. Because they booked Tortoise, and this is the time when Tortoise was a very big band and weren't like the Dave Matthews band, but instrumental, which right. is what they sound like now. Um, so so we would we would end up getting these awesome gigs on like whatever in these towns because it'd be like. Look, we have to book everything Flower throws at us because hopefully we'll get that big tortoise show. Right. Yeah. Or, the, or the big Sebado show. Or the big Sebado show, on. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's go back then. Let's go back to kind of the beginnings here. Okay. Uh, so, Cherno, Justin Cherno, I know, you know, you played in bands in high school. You started mm-hmm. in high school. Sure. You were in the Gutter Snipes. I was in the Gutter Snipes. <laughs> and that's all I want to say. Cool. Yeah. Move we got. No. Uh, if, so you need to see, if you need to hear a UK subs cover, I can, I can dig one up for you. <laughs> I do need to hear that. I would like to hear that too. <laughs> so you were in the Gutter Snipes. You were in like a kind of straight punk band. Oh, just like in like punk, punk yeah. rock bands. But, but growing up in Ohio was a weird thing because if somebody had like a REM record mm-hmm. and a U2 record, and a discharge record. Right. They were all get punched in the face at school records. Right. So they all had an equal weight. Right. They had an equal weight of their punkness. Right. In the 80s. Because this was 1924. So, it was. It was. It was. But I used to listen to the Rumble Seat in my grandpa's car, who was born in 1752. <laughs> it sounds so, killer, man. Yeah. But oh. no, no. So, but no, but it's true. So those records like had like a sort of equal kind of. Right. Of antisocial or not antisocial, but but just you know those same records that made everybody an outcast. Right. So they were all the same. So you would be in a weed. I would see bands in Ohio that you'd be in a band that sound. You'd be on like a show when you were sixteen or seventeen playing at a bar, 
and there'd be a band sound like REM followed by a band that was like sound like a crust band right followed by a band that did like B52 songs right it was like totally <laughs> normal like an amazing and show. every single person at the bar was like thank god I'm here and not getting beat up at high school right so right yeah uh, and because then... you can go to a bar in Youngstown at 14 years old <laughs> <laughs> which you could not do you could not do in Maine yeah, sadly yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, to Simon, did you play music in uh, high school? I did. I was in uh, one of those kind of jangly REM-y type bands in the mid '80s. Let's nice. uh, that we tried. Yeah, well, a very big fan of uh, the Let's Act record with the with the road on it, whatever. The anyway, the steps so, for that. Yes, um, <laughs> we tried to do every every word means no, but we couldn't figure it out. Um, but we also tried. We really wanted to sound like Mission of Burma, but no one could figure out how to sound like that. <laughs> right. So we just tapes and loops, guys. Yeah. We couldn't figure that out. We didn't. I had no idea. I didn't know what a delay pedal was until right. I started reading Guitar Player magazine. So, but there was nowhere to play. Right. Unlike uh, in Youngstown, as a sixteen-year-old, you couldn't play bars. And where right. where did you grow up? Uh, Maine. Okay. About yeah, 10 minutes, 15 minutes outside okay. of uh, Portland. Okay. So right. I wasn't a rock off in high school, though. What was that? Was that like a battle of the bands? It was a battle of the bands. Definitely uh, was a gay like orgy. Yeah. <laughs> that Great. Was, that was the rocks off. That was different. Um, <laughs> yes, we were. There were, just to give you an idea of who we were playing with, uh, there were three different bands who did a cover of Balls to the Wall. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sounds like my yes. dream show. And the, one of them was the, accept. the band that won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, you're the best. Place. Uh, the band that won did a spot-on, amazing version of YYZ. Wow. Did everybody Ooh. try to like everybody did balls in the wall? Did they try to do an exact? Like, oh yeah, it was completely dead uh, on. Exact. I mean, the band that won did the YYZ cover, and all I remember is that the bass player had a had a Steinberg. It wasn't like the REM band's version of Balls to the Wall. No, it was like <laughs> no, 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 no. cross so version. What we're trying to get across to you is that what we were interested in was perhaps the small segment. Yeah, we very small. In. There was one record store that, where you could buy records like that at Much all. Much like now. It was like, yeah, yeah you'd go <laughs> in. <laughs> it's come nice. It's cyclical. It's cyclical. Oh, you'd go and you'd buy a Black Flag record and the Echo and the Bunnyman record. And right. you'd be excited because it was the same thing. And then, But then you also, as, as a teenager then, because those records had the same cultural significance, Echo and the Bunnymen yeah. and Black Flag. Right. Maybe you liked Echo and the Bunnymen more than Black Flag. Sure. And you, that's something, that you, had to, that's something you had to deal with. That's something you had to sort <laughs> right. of deal with. Because, a lot of life questions to start yeah, with. Exactly, I, exactly. Just, just to also put yeah. into context, uh, you, know, uh, w- you know, in the zine days, way yeah. pre-internet, when you know, MTV is not an outlet for alternative music yeah, nearly as hard. much, but, how, what, how did you guys... Yeah, but Get the thing is, MTV was only an outlet for alternative music when they started. Yeah, and right. When okay, MTV sure. started, I mean, I remember the. I actually yeah. remember in 1742 <laughs> when I climbed to the top of my grandparents' house with a kite and a key <laughs> to get MTV. <laughs> Um, the first video I saw in it was Adam and the Ant Stand and Deliver. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like, I was probably like, I don't know, probably like 82, 83, is that yeah, not right? Yeah. Somewhere in there. And like, and I remember seeing it. And I was supposed to go out and rake the leaves with my. I lived, grew up with my grandparents and my mom in the same house. To burn them. For and I was supposed to them. go out and ra- rake the leaves and I'll light them yeah. on fire. And <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't go out because then I was glued to the TV watching these videos Fuck all day you, long. Mom, I got out of stuff like they were showing stuff like Berlin then. And, right. But so MTV and now did pop music get but, you into a lot of but stuff. But that's where that all that stuff. stuff came. Yeah, absolutely. But that's to me. That's where that stuff came from. But again, I was twelve. Right, you know. Yeah, we got MTV really early because we were a weird suburb, and the suburbs got MTV much earlier than the cities did. Right. So I yeah, remember exactly. seeing the Radio Free Radio Free Europe video and being nice. very excited by that, having no idea what, and also a live. 
video for I Will Follow, which I thought was oh, the yeah. most I remember awesome that. I remember video that of all time. Yep. He's got the mullet. Is that red? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Like, it's an arena. This is like from no, a... Like a it's like in some place maybe like the size of Webster Hall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like in a place... Yeah, the sound of the, of the guitars on both those records to me were unlike because before that I was a very very huge gigantic Led Zeppelin fan and, and don't get me wrong we've got <laughs> bold I, I love my Zeps <laughs> but uh, you know you, you had can... a Zep set every day I didn't really <laughs> and I didn't really care about music uh huh before I saw that like those videos and stuff that's how I felt pre the music the... yeah it's true, it's true. <laughs> I, felt post, I felt post Primus actually <laughs> before pork soda entered your life or pre on the seas of cheese that's right. That was, but, a, that was a Columbia house. Uh, but no, it's, 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 it is a, it's a strange thing because like, I had my mom's records because my mom was not that. My mom was 20 when she had me. Right. So I was born in 1970, which means my mom was like 18, two years before I was born, which means I got Doors records, Hendrix records, lots of weird B-team 60s records, right. like Spanky and our gang and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. cares about. But Sunday like, will never but be like, but I So those are the records that I listen to all the time. My grandparents are really into music. And they were into Hank Williams and Elvis and Bill Haley records and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I was just like, oh, those are that's music. That's what people are into. But when I finally got into music, it was definitely because of, of early MTV. Sure. Same. Yeah, I was very against classic rock because that's what my parents did. I had never. I was I, like, fuck Black Sabbath. I was in a They're van with Scott DeSimon in 1991 or 92 in Seattle. And I said, what is this? What music is this? And it was Ramble On by Led Zeppelin. It's true. It's true. We had yeah. to run down the Blue whole... Your like, I had Led no Zeppelin. idea. I had no idea of any of it. Scott knew all the words, and I thought that was the craziest thing. It's true. And I, I learned all about classic rock from being in the van on tour, because I didn't know anything. Thank you. Decided. Weirdly, until I was in seventh grade, all I listened to was AM radio. Uh-huh. Never listened to the FM station, and I was a huge Elvis fan and a big Steve Martin fan. I, I, I like half mix. of that. First seven inch I ever bought was King Tut. I had the nice. King Tut seven inch as well. Like I had like Kiss Double Platinum and stuff like that, and like uh, Renegade by uh, mm. Renegade is by Sticks. Sticks. Yeah, by Sticks. yeah, seven yeah. inch. Yeah, is that, that the yeah. etched one on the back, or is that no? That's uh, Paradise Theater. No, no, no. Sorry. It was a seven inch. Sorry, sorry. Forty five is. That's what happened with me in the Greatest American Hero theme song. It was my first record of all time. Really? And now that still... song is. What really was the cute. first favorite song though? Mine was I think Greatest American Hero by Neil Diamond. My favorite so. first favorite song was SAT or DAY Night by the Bay City Rollers. And I had the 45 of that, and I would play it on my Backed white with. little turntable. Backed with Maria. <laughs> That's the B side? The That's B -side. the music trivia. was one of my favorite records of all time. And I thought that they were so nervous they were stuttering on the chorus. They weren't actually just saying Saturday night. I thought they were stuttering. Well, that's like I don't know if we're gonna get today, this take, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so when did you guys end up coming together? When did Pitch Blend uh, start? Ninety one, very beginning of ninety one. Um, I was in DC, moved there for a job that ended up not existing. Or, well, uh -huh. I guess I kind of blew it. So, yeah, the job didn't exist, and I wasn't really trying to play in a band because I didn't really know one could do that. After mm -hmm. you know, I was trying to get a job. But that was not happening, so I had a lot of free time. And I knew a guy who had gone to college with, uh, his wife had gone to college. He was a drummer, although he didn't really didn't drum so much. But uh, at that point, he didn't own a kit. Did he own a kit? I, I don't, don't think remember. He owned a kit. I don't remember. He didn't own a kit. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't own a kid. Anyway, we thought maybe it might be fun to play in a band, so we answered a couple ads in the city paper, the Washington city paper. Uh-huh. It's an old, old-timy old newspaper. Your they, news source. Yes. In the back. There, this is pre, like, the back of the newspaper just being pornography. Yeah. There would actually be ads for people looking for jobs or uh-huh. playing or music with people or, or things like Using that. Using yeah. the newspaper lamely. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so we answered a couple of those ads. It didn't really work out, as you might, <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, I didn't know that you guys pre-answered ads. We answered Sorry, dude. That's okay. <laughs> it, it all they comes mean, obviously. They all, didn't know. mean anything. Lane yeah. Solano. You're, you're not sitting here with Amanda Mackay. No. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah, we played. One guy was really into Soul Asylum. It was that kind of. It right. just didn't work out so well. <laughs> and then we read one day. We read an ad that sounded kind of funny. Uh huh. Sounded like it might be promising, and apparently it turned out to be. Me and Triops Trade. Funny cat Cherno and Triops. Wait, you guys put the ad in. We put the ad in. And you answered. Because okay. Triops and I had been jamming in his basement. Because Triops only jams. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no. That's all he does. No, we were, um, we were playing music in his basement, and he, like, I was, I was, like, you know, very, like, a guitar player self taught, so I didn't understand how to do any kind of drum machines or right. recording or any of that kind of stuff. I just like... He, had a, the, he had a recording studio. Yeah, he had like a studio. <laughs> like, he had really? like, he had an eight track quarter inch. Um, he had a board. This is, you know, in the you 90s, know, this was like, this is very expensive stuff to sure. have. And he had some outboard gear and he had nice amp and, and he knew how to use it all and drum machines and stuff. And he and I had been working on some stuff where he was making drum machine tracks and we were playing guitars over it, directing the board or whatever. And we decided to see if we can go farther. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was like by far that we met, like, have a drummer and a bass player come on and come over and still make some weird music right. and maybe play a show somewhere weird. Right. We didn't necessarily mean get somebody to pay to make a record or anything right. like that. It was like, you know, we were thinking, we we're thinking pretty small. Yeah. And Scott and Patrick showed up. And I think Patrick showed up Patrick first. showed up by himself because I was yeah. out of town doing oh i'm yeah. I supposed to be practicing my typing skills for the job that i ended up <laughs> not getting by because i didn't pass Secretary the typing test. to the vice president yes. yeah, yeah exactly. so talk about talk about the talk about the 90s scott didn't get a job because he didn't pass the typing <laughs> test and they gave me two tries when i did not practice the second time how many I, words could you get i had to type 50 and i think both times i was in their mid 40s okay. so i remember so taking, close. T- i remember uh, taking like temp job stuff in the 80s or in the 90s and in the 90s in D.C. and New York were one of the things you had to do in the office was do the typing test. Yeah, Up at, uh, yeah I still had to do that for I still do that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean you had to I guess now at this point we're saying 2000 temp jobs, but yeah. I was still doing typing. Yeah, like a Commodore 64 or yeah. something. Yeah, it's quite 68 words. It was really bad when, uh, they, gave, when, they, gave you the, <laughs> bad when they gave you the filing test. Right. It's like, yeah, the B goes before the, the D. <laughs> All right. We're I just got checking. This one is an MC and what? then a capital D. Where's that go? <laughs> so, so let's talk about you, when you guys yeah. start playing shows and touring at this time and just set the scene. Well, Pat, for like Pat came over and played. Pat together. called me up because that's what you did back then and said, these guys are really great. The one guy's kind of weird and he's got a recording studio. But I was just about you to should come one. over. <laughs> no, Justin was 19 at this time. Right. I was 19. 20. I was, 20. No, I was 20 now. I was 20. 20, 20. Long hair. Uh-huh. Your hair was much longer than me. <laughs> Both had Scott really had a mid-back-length ponytail. <laughs> he did. What an ass. I was like, you, were, you, turned, you turned out a band that likes Soul Asylum. You look like yeah. you were in Soul Asylum. <laughs> It sounds you like, like window tone era. I got that. Very true. Um, I did go to College of Vermont, so, you know, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, so we, we went over. Um, I was a guitar player, kind of. Um, <laughs> but no one played bass. There wasn't a bass player, so I played bass. And we 
played. I think we played for a couple hours, pretty much straight through. Uh, and yeah. we ended up literally jam- just we ended up writing. We wrote three of the songs yeah. on our first record the first time we played together. It's wow. kind of nuts. Right down, downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but goals. <laughs> but um, um and but yeah. It, yeah, and then true. we just we kind of we went on this kind of crazy, practicing two nights a week. We'd get out of work. Drive over somebody. It was just like it was on. It was just right. like kind of one of those things. Like, okay, I guess we're going to do this. We can all play. Like, we're writing songs. Like, this is in DC. This is in DC. It's uh, actually it's actually in Alexandria, Virginia, in in a basement in a really residential neighborhood, and we were loud. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Nobody loud ever complained. Nobody ever said anything. Did you like, ever do the like go outside and see how loud we are? Probably, probably, and it was probably really loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You guys are just too dark. I mean, I, we, we were you know we were really young, and I had at that point like we decided we were going to make. We were going to record on this A track and write. We got like ten or twelve songs at that yeah, point. We, had, we, were we were cranking them out, like, yeah. But they were like fully I mean, realized yeah. songs. And did you total? Did you make that first album in his studio? Yeah, like, we made it yourself? in the basement on a, a cassette. And it wasn't the first album. It was actually a demo cassette. And we, I had was I had played really briefly a couple of years or a year before that. I was I was playing in Unrest, mm-hmm. and uh, because I worked at the same bookstore with Mark Robinson, who was in Unrest. And they needed a bass player, so I, I played and I played on uh, Isabel. Uh, no, I played on a Skinhead Girl right. single on K Records. What but note did you play? I it's played E and D. They both made an appearance, <laughs> but um, but but I was playing bass, which also was not my my instrument, and and so I had gone on this crazy tour with those guys, and when I got back, I knew like person to call in Chicago, the person to worry how, how you go on tour, that you go on tour. And I was sort of the only guy in the band with so, any like road He experience. knew how to book his fucking life. <laughs> Seriously, it was it was some sort of dream that he'd done this before. And right. but, but the one thing that kept that stuck with me most was the scene of you and the drummer at the bus station in Portland, Oregon. It was me and I think it was me and Mark. Maybe it was me and the drummer. I don't remember. But we literally were standing in the bus station in Portland on that unrest tour being like we got to fuck off this tour. It's the worst, <laughs> the worst experience of my life. Sounds like some worst gigs were there as well. They were. I, I, I've got some, Yeah. So, so we were standing in the bus station. We had to talk ourselves out of it. We finished the tour sort of before it got called off. What was but, going on with that tour? That was killing you. I'll like, finish this. I'll, okay. I'll go back. I'll go back. But, but so, so because of that, we, I, had a, I had a vision. I, not vision at all. I had an idea that like when you made music, these little bands existed everywhere. And we could legitimately like make a tape. Right. And mail it to people and go on tour right. with our weeks off from work or whatever. And it was totally legitimate and we were going to be fine. Right. And with these guys who I genuinely liked, unlike the people who were in the other band that I didn't really know and didn't click with, that we were going to have a much better time. Right. And we, uh, we, our first gig, we played under a diff- under a, we didn't have a name yet, so we made up a name. Uh-huh. Comet, Comet Anger. anger. And, <laughs> Very terrible. And drove, d- drove, <laughs> drove down to Norfolk, Virginia. It was on a marquee, by the way. Uh, what are you guys, were you guys touring in at this point? No, 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 no. We drove to Norfolk, Virginia, where a drummer was from, because okay. he got us a bar gig. Yes. And we had, we were drove one car was a Ford Festiva full of gear. <laughs> the other car was Scott's like eighties rabbit anymore. full of gear, which had had the window rabbit out sedan four or five <laughs> four or five times. So uh, a four door. Nice. Yeah. Yes, it was a four door, and uh, <laughs> we played to a handful of people, uh, but. Was, we ended up playing. Kind of that was the King's Head in Norfolk, which we ended up playing like through our entire career, yeah. over and over and over. And over. <laughs> but um, the supporting band that night of our first show was Disco Inferno, which, by the way, was not a disco band. And if Surprise. it was, we still wouldn't have cared enough. <laughs> right. But um. And what was the date of that one? Since we've got it. <laughs> that was uh, April twenty fifth, nineteen ninety one. Right. 
There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve years old. Yes. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so was I. So so, so 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 we made this tape. We made this tape after that gig, and because we you know we tried to figure out what we we're going to do, and we sent it all over the place. We didn't know what to do. And I remember that CMJ Music Magazine, College Music Journal, that was subscription only and not sold on newsstands. Uh-huh. And I think it was like $900 a year. No, I'm not, I'm no, not yeah, kidding. Right, right. Like, it was it like, like college, insane college amount of money that yes. came out every week. We sent it to College Music Journal. And the next, or three weeks later, I got a phone call or a letter in the mail or something. We had best new music on the cover really? of of the CMJ Journal. Blowing up the charts. And it was a t- cassette. Yes. With, by the way, <laughs> a, cassette, just made a demo. A cassette a demo. that had a song about a mouse superhero called Infinite Mouse. <laughs> it's true. It's true. At the time, yes. makes sense. That's the nerdiest band ever, and I love it's it. It's true. <laughs> well, I just, just, actually, just logistically, yeah. to get yeah. back to the CMJ yeah. magazine being yeah. $900, I think that's because they assume that College radio yeah, stations. There's a lot of college radio. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, like college it was the Bloomberg exactly. radio terminal yes. of the right. uh, for the, for the list. terminal of itself. Yeah. That's like, there was no way. The only way to find out the charts, and the only way to find out all the stuff going on, was through this magazine. Yeah. Uh, and and so it was it was weird. But then like we started to get letters from people, and people asked to put out records and all kinds of weird shit. And it was like completely Shreveport University. Watching it was completely bad. DIY and like mm-hmm. small and, and simple. Was it stuff that you were aware of by this point when you guys are, are have started the band? This was aware like, of everything? I mean, this is just a few months after we yeah, started. But are you guys are really... you guys uh, keeping up with like what's going on? Yeah, I mean, in, like in I worked in a, I worked in a really like kind of like cool record store sort of that was also like a bougie intellectual bookstore but like borders i mean yeah, <laughs> the original hoarders hoarders <laughs> but but hoarders you know it, it was dc no. so we were we were going to DC's a lot of basement weird. shows yeah, and a cool lot of, in dc yeah. don't really hold hands <laughs> no, exactly. so, we, we were yeah. going to a lot of a lot of basement shows and church shows right and there was that which to me was all new because i i really had no idea that existed right um so we would also met meet bands through through that and justin mm-hmm. just from unrest knew people and so you know we had and also from working in the bookstore and i used to go to dc space which was like a small space for shows mm-hmm. i spent a, a tremendous amount of time at shows and at the record store i worked at the cool thing was that we had a hookup with the 930 club which is the big yep. club there where we can go to any show for free that's pretty you nice, just had yeah. to like it wasn't an email it had like a funny name like a weird thing it wasn't an email uh-huh. but you send them a message on our on our only <laughs> our, our store computer system <laughs> And um, you put in the punch card. Exactly. exactly so you exactly. can see like Henry like, Rollins on dot, the dot, dash, 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 dot, 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 dot. But, but, but so we can go. So I would go to every show for free. I would right. go to everything. I never didn't. I mean, I went to shows five nights a week. Right. Like, really, no kidding. Like, that's what and I Even did. when he had to pay, it was $5. It was $5 right. or $6 so, yeah. or whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But, but I mean, I went to everything. And that, that's what I spent all my time doing. And you nurse one beer the entire time. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's the Mike Pace rule right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Learn but, from but, so then once they got yeah. psyched about you, like, what yeah. were these early shows like? Like, people are, like, you're getting letters. People are. Coming. No, like, you know, again, it's like, D- D- the thing about DC that was really awesome. And I think it's still like this, is that if you were a small local band and you played a really good show, they'd be like, hey, boys, how about you open the Jesus Lizard next week? And like that shit does, that's pre-packaged tour and stuff like that. It was totally legit to be in a little band that had a tape or Mm -hmm. one one or two seven inches or something, and you'd get to play with the biggest bands that were coming through the city, no problem, because they were really proud of DC music and DC bands. That's how 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 we ended up opening up for Helmet. Yeah, exactly. Let's hear about that. Wait, one. what was that show? It was 
bunch of. I mean, was, I mean, I thought it was great. Nine thirty club. Yeah. What was the bill? That and what was the? Deal? Um, I will look for it. Did while you, you guys that? keep keep chatting. Yeah, uh, uh, like, yeah. DC loves DC. Yeah, so so, so, so it was really point. like it was like okay, you want to play in DC? Two DC bands have to open for you, which was really great for us because we met other bands, and everybody that saw us lived there, and it right. actually ended up being a really awesome thing for us. Right. And then our friend Chris, who went to school with Scott, ended up putting out our first seven inch, and then we mailed it to people in the mail. Uh huh. And they they called us back and were like, "Yeah, we put together ten days worth of shows, and we did. <laughs> we uh, literally yes. left DC." Fucking played all the way out to Olympia, Washington, and back in ten days. Really? Yes. In a minivan. The Seattle uh, show was. Uh, it might have been nine. In days. a kid's living room, by the way. With what? Link, it was one of Link's Link. first oh, shows. Yeah. yeah, friend of the show. Sam yeah. Jane, friend Sam of, Jane, friend yeah. of the yeah. show. What? Uh, wait, how, what, how did you do that? What were the shows? That was there? all Justin. I mean, Justin essentially. I booked, booked the entire, entire thing. But more so, like logistically, I don't remember <laughs> anything. About, <laughs> about I'm pretty sure, in order to make it work, again, like. Think about this: like you're booking this tour on the phone on your boss's coin from your from your temp job or your right. your job, hoping you don't get busted for all these calls, and you have a map and right. you're measuring it with a ruler, being like, "I think this is eight hours away from <laughs> yeah. New York." And I remember you you called me and said, "Oh yeah, I got a show in Denver. I don't know what a what's a Benjamin because he no, promised us a C note. We promised us a C note. I was like, it's either it's ten dollars or a hundred dollars. What's a C note? But I remember. I think we started. We would start in Chicago, so we drive yeah. twelve hours. Here's the here's oh yes, this, here's is, the this, is, this is the tour. Morgantown on Halloween, which oh, was yes. a fantastic show. That was a great show. Uh, what year is this? This Nin- is 1992. This okay. is the first kind of... Uh, That's our first tour. Back to the con- uh, end of the country and back. Yeah. Morgantown, drove to Chicago, played a... Uh, I don't remember anything about the show, but then we went to Lacrosse. We played Lounge Axe on that tour, right? We played it was Lounge actually Axe supposed Axe? to be Shellac's first show, and they Ooh. couldn't do it. Instead, it was Dolomite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> La- La- when Lacrosse, Wisconsin, which was great, we ended yeah, up playing Lacrosse there again. ended up being a great place. Really? Lacrosse, we ended up making some really good friends. Minneapolis there. was great. Was that the night Guar was playing in the other room? Or no, that was that, well, no, was that the night Clinton got elected? <laughs> that was when, yes, yes, it was. That was, that was Clinton got elected, and, I, I and Justin drank so much, he threw up as we were driving away. Right out of the van. First of, and the, first of, and slept, <laughs> first of many times. Slept all the way until North Dakota. That sounds about right. Uh, we had a great show in Missoula after that, which yeah. was pretty fantastic. This tour was actually this probably was the best tour I've ever blast. been on. Seattle, Washington played a house party with Link and Surge. Yeah. Played Olympia with uh, Flight Camp. Flight Camp, that was a good show. They were good. Yeah. You know what I love about hearing this tour and then you booking these long lengths yeah. is knowing that when we started the band, you made a big stink about how you never drove. I don't, ever. I don't drive. And you no. didn't drive. The only time you've I ever didn't driven. I drive either on that tour. The best that's na- insane. I'm just like, yeah, it looks good. Now, Scott, you can handle that, right? Best uh, navigator. If, yeah, I'm a great navigator. Great navigator because really the only navigator. time you did drive was when we did a two-week tour of the UK. Yeah. You had to drive on the wrong side because you're the only person who could drive stick. Because I was and, the only person over thirty. And you're oh, yeah, the only person over thirty, and you're the only person who know how to read <laughs> the car A to legally. Z. Yes, that's we true. all would stare at it like a bunch of idiots, and you'd be like, "This is a town center. We'll go here. We'll do this." Jesus Christ! Exactly. It's true. Uh, so give us give us another pull pull another worst gig out of there. Worst gig, worst gig, worst gig. Well, worst gig, worst gig. Well, essentially, our our last tour was just full of riddled with laughs. Okay, worst gigs. <laughs> um, started off fantastic. We were with uh, we were touring with friends of ours since Ben Edsel. Mm-hmm. Great 
fun shows, you know, enough people to make it worthwhile. Yeah, sure. like we were doing like 125 people a night in yeah. rooms that held like 150 people. Or Selling whatever. t-shirts. It was like fun. It was just like, we didn't, we were just like, we make this music that is obscure, weird, inside jokes that's kind of atonal for us. We can play with our friends. People come. We get our guarantee. We're totally making this work. What? Your album title, Guy Gax, is a weird inside joke? Yeah, uh, exactly. Then, you know, we would hang out with them and, you know, we'd take bad trucker speed and drive all night and that was fantastic and wonderful and you know you were young and you were listening to uh 70s instrumental comp- comps while you're driving right um and then realized later that the rest of your band is terrified and huddling in the back <laughs> begging for you to slow down or stop and scott and i are in the front going <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand this truck is beat it's, it's legal we're gonna have some more and then you pull up to the van next to you and they just turn and look at you with most bulging eyes you've ever seen <laughs> like nodding yes and you're like yes and then you're both going 90 that's a yeah. lot of like did you guys you own a van by, by this point we owned it? a fantastic van that used to belong to uh railhead from, from, from railhead j tree but i've after darren walter it had actually uh, it had a horizontal a horizontal <laughs> window it was a customized the, the, it was a custom it was like a custom what are we talking like an early uh, early 80s it had like a four and a half foot tall horizontal window on the driver's side back passenger area so it also had whatever pl- dirtbag punk rock dude was sitting in there was fully visible to everybody driving by that would just like look and be like what the fuck is going on in there it also it, had play- it smoky, it had playboy door locks on it yeah sounds like a it had uh, it had also had um Lit, uh, lit uh, <laughs> running, boards running boards and running two board. antennas <laughs> and curb feelers. And, and curb one feelers. for CB radio and one for. The I think we paid twelve hundred dollars for it, and it broke down three times on the way back to DC from Delaware, and we still bought it. But after that, it actually kind of worked out. We got a little bit of money back for it. I do recall that uh, this was not on tour, but we, you know, we'd use it for our regular transport. Course, Why sure. not? Why would you not? And uh, <laughs> Triops and I, or is it you? Maybe? That was you and Trios. Come back from the guitar <laughs> we show. We went to a guitar show and started to drive on the interstate, and people were honking at us. And we was like, dude, I didn't cut you off. What is your problem? What's that guy's problem? And like, people were honking, and all of a sudden, I smell something, and I look out of the, out of the window, and I watch the rear axle kind of go out, <laughs> the wheel with it, and then roll down the hill as we're getting on the interstate, and the whole van just goes... <laughs> To one side, and it's gonna kind of screech us to a halt. Like, oh. And then it caught on fire. And then it caught on fire. The but whole, but the here's side. the best story about that van. Did you buy a great guitar that Here's day, the best story about that van. Van full of equipment, by the way. For whatever, yeah, because we never took our gear sure. out of the van Why would you ever. Do that? We don't practice. We had, we had whatever, um, because we were young and angry and people were sassy and weird, we hated Delta 72. Uh huh. And we did. And they were a DC band. They were also ex, they had not. They were not from D.C., but they lived there, and we were like, we weren't from there either. For some reason, we felt legitimately more. We beat them there. We were young and immature, and I'm I'm friends with Greg now and stuff, and it's it's fine. But we sold them our shitty van. (laughs) (laughs) And not to McGrift. And it broke down in the Holland Tunnel on the way into D.C. (laughs) It's true. And the only reason we know it did that was because Scott and I went to. Uh, we went to their show at the cooler and we were going to move the van to we, the other side of the key. street because we, we still hilarious. had the keys to fuck with them and they never made it to the show. <laughs> By the way, you know what happens when your wheel falls off and the axle rolls down the hill? You get it fixed for $400 by a Vietnamese guy who you say, thanks, man, and then look down and see that his name on his shirt is Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. That's a deal, though. That's a, yeah. a pretty good deal for a van. It was a pretty great van, I got to say. Uh, it, so what was the shit show on the Edsel? Oh, so, tour? well, 
we left Dead Soul in after Lacrosse, Wisconsin, which was a, a good show. Yeah, then uh, they, they like went back home or went somewhere else or yeah, went out but with but a they popular. Went south they might have gone on tour with a popular band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was the first show where uh, no one showed up, and so me and the guy from Edson went to get paid, and the guy didn't really have any money, and we ended up having to like smoke him down. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big weed smoker guy, right? But we ended up hanging out with the guy until things got really mellow. <laughs> And then he went to an ATM and gave us the money. Which Where was, was that? Sad. At least that was he lacrosse, got the, the second time. Oh, like, no, that empty. was like the third time third we played time, lacrosse. Maybe. Yeah, it was empty. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so we we went our on on our way, and things were great. Actually, we went to San Francisco, played a show at Bottom of the Hill, then Gilman Street. Gilman yeah, Street we had was a great really show. good show. At Gilman with, Street. with J Church, it was a J with Church record release yeah, okay, show, okay. and that was fantastic. And and I can imagine these shows. Then like here's like this pop punk band, like, and then here's like. Three weird dudes, or four weird dudes in glasses, like, <laughs> just hammering. <laughs> I don't think my treble's high enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there was a they, there was a tradition at Gilman Street of taking the band promo photos and drawing faces on them, and someone had drawn a hilarious face on Scott. And the, this is really showing you how ahead of the curve Pretty Gilman Street yeah. in the '90s was. There was a word balloon over said that said. I only drink the finest coffees. <laughs> it's true. Precious. <laughs> so we were, we were kind of, we, we did well. We sold a bunch of merch. I know it's at Gilman. We weren't really supposed to. Right. Um, and then we went back to stay with uh, Darren's ex-girlfriend, I think. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And she and lived we on in the a... third floor in San Francisco. And, uh-huh. and we were like. It was a sketchy neighborhood. I'm not going to. Third floor? No way. These amps are heavy. <laughs> Yeah, you guys remember, no you got, I mean, no, back in these days, you stayed in these, you had these shitty bands. Yeah. Every night you brought your gear yes. in, especially yeah. in a city like San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. In a neighborhood. Unless, unless, in the Tenderloin. You, so yeah. we, yeah. That's where we were. That's where we were. Unless you yeah, got yeah, a yeah. parking garage. And we said, you know what? We'll just back up the van really close to the car behind us. Oh, What works. could go wrong? Yes. Uh, next morning, we got up. Everything's fantastic. What a great day. We're going to drive down to LA where we've always had great Really shows. great meal before we went to bed. I like, said Portland, I think. We were yeah, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it no, it was LA. Sorry. And then great meal. It was a really good time. I think it was Eugene, by the way, maybe. Oh, nice. We got the tour in front of here. It's true. I can find keep it. Talking. Um, so we went out. I went out. I think, I think me and Justin maybe went out. Uh-huh. No, it wasn't me. No, it wasn't. Oh, I got right. the phone I'm call. I'm sorry. Uh, me and Trias went out, and something was funny because the back door seemed to be a little open. No. And yeah. sure enough, someone had broken in and taken Justin's guitar, Trias's guitar. A My ba- amp head. His amp head. A, All in road a cases. A bag of strings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We invested in road cases because our, <laughs> our record label somehow gave us money to buy equipment. Right. Which is weird. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of devastating. We spent the day at the police uh, station. Not and this is right in the middle of the tour, I'm assuming. This is right. Yeah, we had right. literally. Yeah. It was one of those yeah. tours where you're, you're in Seattle and you look and you say, oh, my God, in six weeks. I'm going to be down in Louisville. Right. It's going to be weird. What's going to happen <laughs> right. then? Yeah. I'm glad I brought a coat and a bathing suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we were just so dev- like, our, dev- like, like literally like because we used all these tunings and shit, we were fucked, yeah. right? Like like Triops lost his amp. Oh yes, he lost one of his amp too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like we lost a lot of we lost a lot of critical gear. And also like, yeah, weirdly, kind I know amp head. To our I didn't sound have my main kind of guitar. Stuff. Like I didn't have like Triops lost a bunch of stuff. And it was just, it was a real mess. Ironically, our drummer, who had the shittiest gear, <laughs> didn't touch any of his Because stuff. it was in the back of all the gear. But I remember leaving San Francisco, and like every, nobody was talking, and mm-hmm. we didn't know what to do. And as we were leaving, a truck in front of us was full of tires. <laughs> and it hit a bump, and this tire... <laughs> 
flew out of the pickup of this truck and spun completely parallel to our van and about six inches in front of the hood bounced on the road and then came up over the windshield maybe an inch clearance <laughs> over the windshield while nobody talked and it just went over the van and scott said let's get the fuck out of this town <laughs> i've never liked that town since it was fucking understandable it was crazy it was weirdly yeah. our record label we call but it, it doesn't end there we call it we call the record label and they actually sent us a thousand dollars which was crazy oh. because that's about a thousand dollars more than we were making for them right um and we went to la and justin bought a new amp which he still has today i believe right fender showman Fender uh, Showman, Showman and Cabinet, yeah. And Trios bought a guitar that he was not super happy with. And did you buy a guitar? No, no, I didn't. I waited. What did you use? I forget. I just, I just kept, I just started. Oh, because we had, we had yeah, many yeah. guitars. That's why. And we had a really great show at uh, Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw, which we always had good shows. So we played with Unwound, and we ended up borrowing gear from Unwound. Yes, and it was a great show. And we were, you know what? Things are going to be all right. Things, uh-huh. things are going to be great. Things are looking up. Things are and then looking Seattle, up. And San Diego was like part of our label was from San Diego Cargo, so we knew they'd take care of us when we got uh-huh. there. Played with the Luna Chicks, I believe. Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> we did. The Luna Chicks in uh, San Diego, which is great. The guy who worked at the club told us about, you remember that big plane crash? Well, it was right up there, and there were pieces of plane and people in seats falling all around the club, man. Like, awesome. Cool. Thank you. Fantastic. Can I get a burrito somewhere? <laughs> but but so, so everything's going great, and we get to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where none of us had ever been. Never been. Desert. Beautiful. And we get yeah. there, and like, the club's like pretty nice, and kids that we're playing Uptown with in the bands are cool. Town's cool. It's like, you know... Kind of Western vibe, and like Western nineteen forties. We're in a good mood. We're in a good mood. Like, like West, yeah, the promise yeah. of the West. We're inside, and and I remember I had back in the CD Walkman days, I had my CD player, and I think I was sitting in the bar listening to my my CD player, and I was looking up, and people looked around me, looked startled, I started look really startled. They were all headed toward the back door, and I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" I take I take my 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 headphones off, and I walk toward the back door, and it's Scott bang on the back door, bloody. Well, what had happened was <laughs> we, had left San, we had left San Diego and we drove all, or Indio maybe, I forget. One of the, Indio. I think it was uh-huh. Indio. We you played show, in Indio then. It was actually a show, I remember about that show, the drummer for the band we opened for was exactly like Keith Moon. It was like a kid who was maybe 18 <laughs> who decided to play on the Indian one, Reservation. He wanted to play like Keith Moon. It was very insane. Yeah. Um, so we drove all night. Uh-huh. Or I, I drove all night. Um, and so I was kind of beat. Well, I remember we, we got to Albuquerque. We saw True Lies in an air-conditioned movie theater, which we all thought was a great movie for a dollar fifty. Yeah, good movie. Movie on tour is a very. We nice went time. went to a thrift store, bought some really great clothes. I can only and, imagine uh, a thrift store in New Mexico in 1995. Pretty great stuff. That's, I mean, if you that's, that's where I got a, a long sleeve Twins, the movie Twins <laughs> that, T-shirt. That that's, that sounds about right. Rice thin. And in it, on the front had the, the, the poster, and on the back it said, only their mother could tell them apart. For the listener, Jeff is currently wearing. Uh, it, was a, it is a beautiful shirt. Go ahead. I'm sure. So, you know, we did our sound check, and like Justin said, great, beautiful theater. Everyone's yeah, been really great, great to us. Check, like, That's a great totally Mexican good. food at People some point. People are being really nice. Other bands are cool. Yeah. I decided I'd go out and take a nap in the van in the, in the parking lot, which is behind the theater. Uh-huh. No big deal. In a big park, a huge parking With lot. lots like, of cars. Yeah. Pretty busy. So I'm taking a nap as you do. You're taking a nap with the door open to the van. Door was not open. Oh, you're right. You're right. A different time. I woke up like, oh, show's coming up. I'm feeling great. It's gonna be a great (laughs) show. Uh, Still feeling good. Got out. uh, Daylight. uh, Kind of. Kind of dust. Kind of air. Dust. Dude walks up to me and says, "Hey, man, you want to buy a fifth for five bucks?" And I said to myself, "I don't think this is a good deal. Something's gonna go wrong." (laughs) So I said, "No." 
thank you, but I don't have any money. Thinking he'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't have any money. I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> so he's like, okay, man. Turned around. Fifth for five bucks? Like, no, I'm good, man. Thank you. So I turned to lock the door. And as I turned, I just saw the shadow. And he punched me in the, in the back of the head. Oh. And then I fell down in the wheel well. Then like three other dudes came and started <laughs> kicking me in the head with their boots, which I had nice boot marks on my face. Um, and so I didn't know what was going on other than you were I, being beaten. I was being death. beaten. Yes. So I started screaming, and I remember screaming, dying screaming in this high-pitched scream, and thinking to myself, "That is the most pathetic scream. You sound like an eleven-year-old girl." And I didn't know what to do, so I started flailing, and thought, I thought to, had a thought that I'll act crazy, and maybe they'll let me up because I'll just be a crazy person. And somehow I managed to get to my feet and started flailing, and then a woman came around the corner and like saw what was going on and flashed her lights. Uh, and they were all in the, the other dudes were in the van now, like going through all our shit, uh, our, our bags. Not of, by going through, you mean taking? Taking. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what do you got here? That looks good. Oh, all of our, that all of our gear was in the club, but yeah. they stole all of our bags with our clothes. Uh, yeah, so I was I was bleeding from here, from the forehead, and thankfully we weren't the kind of band that left our merch money in the van. No, yeah. Uh, Trips always carried that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I I ran to the back of the club and screaming pounded on the door hoping someone would let me in nobody nope. let me in but funny enough right behind the door was a uh, tree up playing uh, pin, uh, pinball you actually tried to get in the club and the, the yes, bouncers ran around the to the front wouldn't get let Scott in because he was a screaming bloody guy <laughs> <laughs> and they did not want to and let you, him and in then, the but you guys saw the commotion and ran out and yeah, saw me there and the first thing I believe they both all you thought was Oh, no, what did he do? <laughs> First thing I thought is, what did Scott say to somebody? He finally got it. Finally and then I managed to somehow say, van. Everybody ran to the back, and we all get to the van. And just I remember just everybody just kind of just sunk. Right. We looked at everything. Like all of our gear got Doors smaller, wide open. Right. Like, all the bags are gone. Our roadie, Darren, lost the... It, he lost his like a stuffed animal. He, he lost like his like best like, buddy. Gorilla like, biscuits. Wait, is this the same tour as the Van Breaken? And yes, Francisco? this is just yeah. days. This later. is like a week and a half later. This maybe. is days yeah. later. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> you know, I was bloody, and the cops showed up and went to the hospital and got an yeah, head X-ray, cracked and orbital, and my knee was fucked up. And uh, and I and took it, him aside. And I said, "There's no way you're not playing that show." <laughs> There are people. The who I will, I will say, the good people at the Uptown Theater gave us a hundred dollars to not play. They were, yeah, it was very nice. Which nice. is really what most of the places we played had thought Pretty we much should did, have done yeah. after we played. Uh, I, so, do remember, I do remember yeah. at one point we were driving back from the hospital, and we somehow thought we were going to drive around town and find the guys. No, we thought we were going to find our shit in like a dumpster or something. Uh, is what we thought because we're like, I was like, that guy's going to open my bag up. There are fourteen thrift store T-shirts and some Dickies in there, with like like a brown T-shirt with a brown King Kong on. It. I forgot the King like, Kong shirt was like, amazing. Yeah, and like and our drum, our, our roadie was literally just sitting there ranting about like my Youth of Today T-shirt, oh. my Bold T-shirt, my Gorilla Biscuits T-shirt, like just like like totally moaning. Like we thought for sure they'd find our shit and be like, "This is valueless. We don't. There's yeah. nothing good in here. There's no money or blood. anything like that." My face. And, yeah, and so, our roadie actually had a hundred bucks in an envelope in his in his bag. And so. uh, we lost Nils Bernstein, the guy from Sub Pop, friend of ours, who we stayed with in Seattle. He gave us a, a Polaroid uh-huh. to use the rest of the tour. And uh-huh. that, that got taken along with the photos because they were somehow together. So what, did they cancel the whole show, or they just said, they canceled yeah, the show? We couldn't oh, play. And, Scott was okay. too fucked. And then up apparently play. it turns out that the we can have before the road manager for Hawkwind to get knifed in the th- in the yeah. In the so back. And, really? and they came on to Hawkwind bus. The, they <laughs> came on to the bus <laughs> and knifed. Yeah. So knifed, yeah. we went back to wherever we were staying, and and this in retrospect was not a very cool thing to do. But we called our 
our our age our flower agent people and told them what had happened and uh and left a long sad message and uh the next day we drove to Fort Collins. Fort Collins. We Stay skipped with your ex-girlfriend. We skipped uh, we skipped <laughs> Nebraska, which means I'd never played Nebraska because we oh. skipped Nebraska. We had a show in Omaha that we just skipped. Drove to Denver, played Denver. I sat on a chair or something because my knee was still mm. fucked up. And then we drove to Fort Collins and just canceled the next show and just hung out in Fort Collins, which uh-huh. is a weird town. Is that Colorado? For, for two days, yeah. Um, and just kind of hung out and, and thrifted kind of kind and of tried to find new clothes and shit. Yeah. There was a new there was a. Freight train, garbage freight train, freight, <laughs> freight train that ran down the center of town. That's all I remember about that. Fort Collins, and then we just kind of sadly played the rest of the tour back. Right. And uh, did it feel like what? Oh, I was so we were that we were very defeated we were just, all the way back. Everybody, yeah. no one no said rally. anything. There was the, no rally. It was just was all no, the way back. And I mean, it was we got back. Uh, Gerard Kosloy, who was running Matador, still is, I guess. Who's a good friend? Good of friend ours. of ours, the fan of the band. He organized a, a benefit at which, CB's. At CB's and. Weirdly, we ended up raising... Gigi Allen played. <laughs> that's, not true. that's not true. He but shit on Scott's Merle side. Allen uh, played. That fucked it. Played. But, uh, you know, we, uh, there was a Gigi, huge benefit. Gigi, get the benefit. hot dog out of my butt. We somehow made money on the deal. Like, my right. hospital bill was 1200 bucks, and I think we made 1300 bucks. The ultimate grift. It was the ultimate <laughs> grift. So we figured more ways we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, so we made another album. Yeah. Um, so, but at that point... It was everybody. Nobody wanted to tour anymore. We were offered. We were offered a tour with Jawbox to do the South, and Uh then we just. It was like eleven shows. Eleven shows of Florida, and then like on the way down, on the way back, and we just. Forget it. That was kind of the beginning. We we all started looking to move in other places. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, at that time, our drummer and our other guitar player weren't exactly getting along. Right. Kind of in a very, in a very present way, not just not not passive aggressively. Not a passive aggressive (laughs) way, but in a very present like. Aggressive, aggressive. So, way. how long did it take for you guys to end up moving uh, up here? Essentially, I guess I moved up. I moved up here in December of '94, mm-hmm. uh, but we still were a band. We played yeah. for another almost another year after uh-huh. that, and I, I went back down to DC and we made our third record wow. after I moved here. Yeah. Um, were you living in in New York or Manhattan at the time? Manhattan, or? Manhattan, yeah, like actual New York. Yeah. And um, I moved oh, to people still did that. The Giuliani days. I moved when to people, when, oh, it was Dinkins days, my oh, friend. Oh, there you go. Look the Dinkins that. days. The broken windows thing happened after. Yeah. Uh, and I moved to New York literally the day after we finished recording the last Pitch Blumber. Yeah, because I, I rode back with him. Yeah. Nice. Justin came down because he was working in an insurance company at the time. And got, you, got, you somehow managed to bail I was like, I'd love to. They, 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 back in the, they used to call it temp to perm. Yeah. yeah. And you would temp and they would make <laughs> yeah. it permanent. And they hired me and I was like, well... I've just got this really ama- important album I have to make, and they're like, "Well, we will let your freak flag fly, man." Yeah, I went back to roll. That's cool, days. man. Always yeah. working temp to perm while I was in Panthers, but whenever yeah. it would go to perm, I'd go, "I am temp forever. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, exactly. I'm out of here. I'm freaking out." Yeah. It's true. Um, so then, so when did Turing Machine start up? Turing Machine started probably about 1997 is when I was living in John Fine's. I would lot. say 96, 97. Yeah, 97. Yeah. I was living in their loft, which yeah. uh, our friend Fred had converted into a recording studio, uh-huh. uh, kind of. And I didn't have anywhere to live, so for three months I was living essentially sleeping in the in the recording studio. And I used to find Scott's porn in the kick drum. <laughs> it was that was your hiding spot? It was paper. Nobody looked in the kick drum. Who cares? <laughs> um, we need to muffle the sound anyway. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. Nothing better than a 1974 club to do it for you. <laughs> your, your extensive collection of boudoir needed to be saved. <laughs> exactly. By, by, yeah, by porn, I mean more like a topless girl sitting in like an egg chair. <laughs> it's not really like... 
Yeah, yeah, did, did exactly. you, what about Genesis, the porn magazine? Yeah. 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 Those shots of Phil Collins will never escape. That would be fantastic. Everybody just wears the the what's his name? The Fox Peter Gabriel masks. Yeah, It's like eyes wide shut. I love it. Uh, and so, yeah, so then Turing Machines start up and then... But, but the, the idea in terms of doing something different, like you guys were saying before. I think Justin Justin played briefly in a kind of a hardcore band, Snowball. Yeah, I played with some friends. I just got... When I moved here, I just started playing with friends. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like a lot of my friends are other musicians. And I I was definitely at that point, like, it doesn't matter, like, what the next band is as long as you keep playing. Right. And, like, I just wanted to play with people that I really liked. And it was something to do a couple nights a week. So I just... I needed to play. I played... I was doing stuff like I mean like I, it was weird when I moved here. I was also really good friends with like the Equal Visions Records, Equal Vision Records guys. Sure, yeah, yeah. Right. So like Steve I was yeah Steve, yeah Steve Reddy and people yeah. like that. So like I was hanging out with them because Timu and Jay Tree lived there, and I was really around the guys from Texas is the reason when they started that band who are now in their triumphant reunion oh, tour by right. like three thousand people a night and shit, which yeah. is crazy. And you lived and with didn't you live with? I lived with the next Tolliver girlfriend. I lived with the girlfriend. Oh, I lived with Chris Tolliver, yep. who was the photographer for all those bands. Yeah. In the late '90s, possibly on the cover of Gamora's season. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, wait, exactly. let me let me ask you yeah, this yeah, though: at the when Pitch Blend is going uh, mm-hmm. full speed, is there ever a thought that this could become like we could actually do this? Yes, because yeah, right at that time, that is when everything was happening. Like literally, a dude, a record company guy named Hot Rod. His name is Hot Rod. <laughs> put us up at a hotel in LA, uh, Hollywood Records. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Uh, not just a hotel, but it was the it might have been the Magic Castle. Uh-huh. We had an apartment, right? And the great thing was, after our show, we announced it might be a party. Uh-huh. Literally, nobody showed up. <laughs> it was us and a twelve pack of beer and hot rod. And hot. But uh, we had a meeting in his office, and I remember saying afterwards, "So, is there a next step?" And he's like, well, "Yeah, you know, we'll probably be in touch with you guys." Right. <laughs> But for a brief second, what we really wanted to have happen was somehow they'll make a massive mistake. They'll right. sign us for a bunch of money. We'll just keep all the money, make a record with our friends right. that cost maybe $10,000, and then somehow we'll bamboozle everybody. Because we somehow thought that Girls Against Boys had done that. We'd heard right. this rumor that they managed right. to do some sort of a major label scam, major label scam like yeah. that. And that's, that's kind of really, I think, what... Our more likely endgame yeah. would have been. I mean, whenever we're, we're going to be popular, right? Because people would always ask us in the handful of interviews we do, like, do you think you're going to be you could ever be popular like Green Day? And it's like, well, no, because we don't play music like Green Day. I mean, Green Day, yeah, we're going. Then, yes, exactly. Remember Mike Gitter was flying. <laughs> Mike Gitter is Mike well? Gitter who signed Jawbox was flying to DC, uh-huh. like yeah. to meet with us and like yeah. take us out and like be like, I think you guys got what it takes to be in Atlantic. Really, and we were just like, oh, it wasn't it wasn't Atlantic, it was Tag. What were they like the sub oh, level? Yeah, the subsidiary, yeah. yeah. And they're like, you the guys Atlantic are perfect group. for that. And we we're like, you know, you start to see it's shit happen to your friends. And you're like, yes, claw hammer. That is up on a absolutely yeah. true. Yes, you this mean could, our bad. I, I, yeah. I actually lived with Jawbox at the time, and I remember mm-hmm. when that happened. Yeah, I remember somehow thinking that they, you know, they all came into a ton of money. Yeah. I don't, don't believe you get in a I small enough did, weird box where all of your friends, only people that you, the people you hang out with, only make music. You make music, and it's like some weird, like high school clicky thing where mm-hmm. you're convinced that you're all like creating this crazy thing, which, which in some ways is maybe true or not, but it feels so much bigger than right. it is because you don't at all interact with anybody right. else that doesn't do what you do. Your local so it feels or the so real world. Huge. Yeah. yeah, it just feels yeah, so we'd huge. We'd heard, uh, you know, we heard rumors about 
publishing advances and how it's all about betting against yourself when we were also willing to bet against ourselves. Cause right. Because we knew there was no we knew way. There's no way right. that. But they never even let money. us put a chip on the table. No, not even close. So, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and so, did you have you did you have any of those moments in Turing Machine or in Turing Machine where you always just kind of like Turing Machine? We were knew always, in your brain. Like we knew this. exactly what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the the first record did way better than we thought it was going to do. You know, we made it with it was put out by a friend. Made made it with friends of ours. Made it in our practice space on an A track ADAT. Right. And then I ended up doing the DFA uh, first DFA record uh, production wise. Right. And because then, uh, because we liked the sound of a kick drum on another record that they'd done. And wait, somehow. Which one? Uh, Future World. I love the sound oh, okay. of the kick drum. Yeah. And uh, it turns and out that we knew the people that did it. Yeah. And we ended up yeah. doing it. I emailed Phil, or no, um, oh, what's uh, the bass player in Trans Am? I uh, got his email. Nathan? Something? I think so. Whoever ran the studio, I think it was Nathan or Phil. I don't remember now. It was a mm-hmm. long time ago. But I emailed them and I was like, hey, um, I'm in a band from DC. We know mutual people. I love the sound of your record. Sounds like we have the same record collection. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are totally into the music we're into. I'd never heard your record until very recently. We just wrote after until after we recorded our record. I was like, "Why don't we, you know, maybe, maybe we can make a record with you guys?" And he was like, "Oh, I would love to do that, but we're fully booked. Call this guy, James Murphy. He's really right. good." And that's how it happened. And it turned out we knew James, and that's yeah, that's we that played with his band Pony, in, in Pony, in Princeton, yeah. in Pitch the Pond. James Murphy. No, 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 the, the, the other, other one. Yeah. Yes, the other one. Jim Wait, Murphy. what was the name the of the Chinese band one. that he was in? Pony. Pony. What is it? Was he in Speed King too? He was in Speed King that after different. that. I saw that with Six Finger, but I I don't really remember it. I think that was the band I liked, kind of. There you go. But we, uh, you know, we made that record with Jay Tree yeah. and mm-hmm. played with a lot of those bands, and it was great. And it was like totally like we'd go out with Jets to Brazil and right. and shit like that. But it was totally fine. We all kind of had time. we all kind of had jobs, not super serious jobs, but yeah. you know. But it was the J Tree exactly connection came be. because you were just hanging out in New York. We done. No, J Tree did some pitch point stuff. Yeah, we did a oh. seven inch on J Tree. Two seven inches. Two. That's right. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Get together. Ken Olden produced one. From Damnation AD. From Damnation AD. It's very true. Yeah. All comes together. Ken it really, really does. Yeah. Um, uh, and so then, yeah. So, so uh, we didn't do a ton of touring in Turing Machine. Turing right. Machine has not uh, gone further west than Chicago. Chicago. Well, to, well, Minneapolis? But, no, Minneapolis. We did play Minneapolis. No, it was uh, Milwaukee. First tour in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Did we? Where? Just remember, because Dara took us out. Oh, yeah, that weird place. We it, was like, a, it was like a bookstore. Um, yeah, we played with like some band that was like some popular emo band for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But so yeah. how did the mindset change? Like you guys went into Touring Machine knowing that well, where? Well, I think moving to New York was like, mm-hmm. kind of key to that because mm-hmm. you were aware of yourself in a much larger kind of universe and this is something we did something we like doing we had kind of no illusions mm-hmm. that there's, it was any more, any more important than it was right to anybody else i guess yeah. there was also something that was really i mean because of the group of friends i was with guys like scott and some of my other friends there was no idea that you would never not have a job and be a musician ever right. it from when i started an arrest and pitch blend or whatever you would never not have a job and it was totally legit to get a temp job and work in some weird office mm-hmm. and be anonymous and make 12 bucks an hour and file shit and just check in and check out and not tell people what you did, not have to be friends with people that you worked with, and then go jam and go play in the weekends and take your time off to do your thing. And you'd get health insurance and you'd get vacation and get all the shit. And that's how people were in bands in, yeah. in the 90s. And, the, and yeah. it was totally... Yeah. Legit, and it doesn't seem like people really do that yeah, anymore. We, we talk right. about that, but but that was really something we talk about that a lot, like especially part in, of the level of being in a band, especially yeah. in New York. You kind of had to be, it was in DC, it was a little easier to just kind of float, right? Although, I remember, did you and Triops have that temp job where you had to shake the 12 packs of Coke to see which ones were legal? Triops had that, <laughs> Triops had that. 
I worked for the uh, Department of Wildlife and uh, answered phones. I worked. I worked at a drug testing lab, which is ironic. And um, and and I had to uh, call companies and tell them the drug testing results of their of their employees. And I would have to do things like say, "Is this John Smith trucking?" And the guys say yes. And I said, "Can I speak to John Smith?" And he'd be like, "Yes." And I was like. Um, I have John Smith's drug testing results. He'd be like, shoot, man. And I'd be like, John Smith is tested positive for methamphetamine, cocaine, and heroin. Thanks, man. Bye. Please. That's and all? Like, it was tough like that. But it was weird because it was all truckers. Right, right, would, right. That was when meth kind of yeah, really yeah, kicked yeah. in. So they would test these guys. So they'd send them on these routes that were impossible to drive. And so I'd sit in this weird desk and type in social security numbers all day of, of drug testing people. And then FedExes of P would show up. <laughs> Not, not very unsimilar to what he does now. It's true. Right. It's true. It's very true. What, and so yeah, Turn Machine didn't do that much. Turn Machine, we did. We, we did a handful, we to have a handful of Midwest tour, uh, tours, yeah. which actually great. all were great. All great. We never had the a bad last one tour. in particular was fantastic. When was the actually, the only bad one was when we went out with Panthers. Yeah. Oh, so down, to, down, to down to South by Southwest. That was yeah. terrible. But we got a couple. South by Southwest shows were awesome. And that's because we did Panthers. Yeah. Touring around South by Southwest too, it's just it's, it's a nightmare. Like, it's a just nightmare. like yeah, yeah. pointless. But uh, you should it, just drive down there and come back. But not yeah. only is not only is it a nightmare playing shows, if you have to play twice at one shitty show, yeah, on the way down, that's got to be, it's got to weigh on your. Uh, what do you mean, psyche? Like you had to play two shows? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you no, had no. To play in like, both bands. Oh, I'm sorry, to me, that's awesome. <laughs> like that, I think that's great. I would, I that would be the only thing that got me back on tour again. <laughs> would just be to play the whole time. Like that's, that's awesome. Just on stage, playing. yeah, I love that. I like, think the best show from that from that tour was the the Houston the, the impromptu Houston show with because uh, our show fell apart. So that right. we went we played. went and each band did three songs. So we all did like the right. best three songs, and we sold a ton of merchandise. It, yeah. Was that the pretty one? fantastic? We went back to that place with those weird kids. Right. Wait. Because remember, we were playing with like Coco Rosie or some shit somewhere or some sh- something like oh, that. Oh, right. And that's the place. Was that the tour I've talked about before where we went and hung out? We had to stay at those kids' houses and they were like, they're renovating the apartment. That was the Panthers next tour, to same us. kids. It wasn't Wait, the Panthers tour machine a, one? No, it was the Panthers only. Set, tour. set the scene for what That's the one. It's this place in Houston. We played this place, but the kids who booked it would always be like, you can fucking stay at our place. And their place was like the size of your butthole. Like it was so small. So pretty uh, huge. Your butthole Speak was pretty yourself. big. <laughs> uh, Speak for yourself. But, and so we were, run, they didn't have enough space. So they were like, oh, the apartments next door like are getting renovated. You can just sleep in there. So we're like, I guess so. And I think maybe you. I didn't sleep in there, but you slept in there. But the guys who were fixing the apartment showed up in the morning. The renovation. Like uh, a little Mexican man showed up like six in the morning. It was like, okay. And I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, I'm just going to gather my stuff and get out of here. I'm almost in my 30s. See ya. (laughs) Uh, My life is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, We just played with Coco Rosie and I wasn't psyched about it. Um, Understandable. uh, Yeah. So, okay. So. Fast forward now to what you guys are doing now yeah. as older gentlemen. Looking back mm-hmm. on on everything you've done, you know, I mean, not necessarily about regrets, but how do you view those years and the stuff that you kind of went through to do what you wanted to do then? I mean, I, you know, I don't have any regrets other than I wish that I bought the fifth for five dollars from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say that I was a little bummed out. We had two European tours fall through. In this Pitchland. is Pitchland. Yeah, um, that was kind of a bummer because I think our, our, you know, our 
minimal audience appeal. Skronk would have gone over really well there. And we played uh, enough squats. There are enough squats really in Belgium that we'd probably still be touring there. <laughs> right, exactly. But, um, yeah. but no, I mean, I think I don't, I uh, wouldn't change a thing other than the crappy shit that happened that had nothing to do with what we were doing playing music and, and touring. Not really. Yeah, I really, I have to say, like, I feel really lucky because also later I got to be in Panthers in my 30s mm-hmm. and do all the same shows again <laughs> yeah. in my 30s, not my 20s, which is kind of weird. But um, I've, all the I've same said places. on this see, podcast. See my graffiti on the wall of the same <laughs> yeah. club I played 10 years ago or whatever. <laughs> but but I really, I don't know. I just, it's a great way to spend, like, I spent 20 years of my life doing that in a weird way and made amazing friends, played great music with people. I got to make records in studios and, yeah. like, create things and met people that actually listen to this awesome and it's it's still fairly easy to tap back into it uh yeah. you know yeah. we, we, well, that you we actually played the, machine is probably silly. the biggest yeah. show actually the biggest show i've ever played biggest show we ever played for turing machine definitely for sure and probably for me in general i guess pitchblend played a civil machines fest but that was oh well, i was smaller. thinking i was thinking i was thinking that that show that we just played in london was oh no that. yeah that's huge yeah, yeah. Well, yeah we just yeah we just played, we just played parties. Parties, parties in london and outside of london it was it was great and we went. We flew over. Played one show. Ate tons of food. Ate tons <laughs> of food. We, we DJ a boutique hotel. People. We were very post two thousands about it. We DJ a boutique hotel and played a fucking festival, and it was awesome. It was fantastic. And you yeah, guys are doing it on your on your own terms completely now. Yes. And you're, yeah. No DIY it. I do. I do have. I do have one quick story that maybe you could edit yeah, somewhere give else. Us, give yeah. us. But give I, us. I might have the worst. I might have the best. Give worst us. Gig give ever us. Story. Give us another worst gig. So when I was on tour with Unrest, we were playing in Lawrence, Kansas. And we were on this crazy tour when I was 19. And we were in a Chevy Suburban. And it was the band The Dust Devils. Two of them were junkies. And Unrest. And me and the drummer had never been west of Ohio. Um, And I don't know if Mark Robinson had or not at that point. I'm not sure. He might not have either. And so it was the three of us and, and these four people in this band Dust Devils. We're all from New York and pretty tough. And it was all of us in a suburban, and we toured, and all the shows were horrible, and everything was miserable, and everybody was... That was the tour where I was in the bus station. And we get to Lawrence, Kansas, and it's Halloween night, and it's unrest, dust devils, dwarves. (laughs) And it's the height of the dwarves playing in the nude, Uh um, all this crazy shit. And it's, it's this place called The Outhouse that was in Lawrence, Kansas, that was a cement brick building in the middle of a cornfield. And it was just a mess. And and it was just like, it was literally was like just a weird place where like you'd keep like, I don't know, ammunition or something. But there was a stage in it and a PA. And so we're there and it was like, it was one of those things, you know, these kind of shows, I'm sure you guys have played them. Either people are going to come or it's going to be the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. So we're hanging out and the Dwarves guys have some friend there and he comes in a pickup and they're like, do you want to go into town, drink beer or something? And I said, course and i get in the van with those or the truck with those guys and we go and buy beer and because i'm too young they're super cool and we just drive around in the pickup truck and drink beer in the back of the pickup truck and hang out and talk it's really fun we get back to the gig everybody's hanging out everybody's kind of drunk and people are laughing and there's like a real camaraderie and i was like oh all right we just got a couple more gigs to go we're gonna get back to dc this is gonna be fun and me and the drummer from dust devils and the bass player i think he was there it was mark eibold who's now in sonic youth and was in pitch or um in um, pavement in pavement Great guy. Mm-hmm. We're leaning against the van, and it's it's moving. And it's the dwarves' van, and it's moving. And we're like, holy shit, somebody is fucking in the dwarves' van. <laughs> that is incredible. And the drummer from Dust Devils, this guy Martin, who was German, is like, I'm going to look in the window. <laughs> and looks in the window, and he's like, all I see is 
it's like just a penis going to a vagina and he laughs. <laughs> and the, the singer for the Dust Devils, who's on tour with his, his wife, comes up to us and says, hey, have you guys seen Jackie, his wife? And we're like, no. And he's like, what are you guys laughing about? And we're like, somebody's fucking in that van. And he just goes ghost white. <laughs> and he bangs, he bangs in the van and throws the doors open. And as he throws the doors open, his wife is tossed from the van <laughs> with no clothes on, pretty much. Uh, it was like a skirt or something. And she looks at him and she says, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the singer from the dwarves gets out of the van and runs away. <laughs> And so I go off with my band and, and Mark, I think, Mark Eyebold, and I'm like, what the fuck are we, this, this was the fucking worst tour I've ever been on, this shit sucked. And about 20 minutes later, the Dwarves guys and the wife and the husband come over and like, everything's cool. It's cool. We worked it out. Don't worry about it. Everything's cool. And we play the show and the Dwarves guys are like, great. We have a blast. And have a ball and then we get in the van and we sleep somewhere or something and then the next day we have a meeting and we're like tour is over <laughs> we're fucking going home and they we drove straight from dc from lawrence kansas as fast as we could wow and uh canceled our show with slint but uh but drove all the way back because you just were so like Everybody was like, literally, I don't, I don't, I that could be the longest I've ever gone in my life without talking. Right. <laughs> I think it was like 12 hours or something. And, uh, but no, that was, that to me is the worst gig ever. Wow. That's uh, a that's, good one to end. That's, 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 that's fantastic. So uh, to bring this full circle, mm -hmm. as you guys may know, question that we ask all of our guests, mm -hmm. what do you guys think of the word gig? gig? It's like the word bro. You hate it, and then you find yourself saying it, <laughs> and then you just shake your head and just keep saying it. Scott, thank you. Justin? I've, I've, it's definitely one of those things where I said show. Yeah. yeah. Gig, gigs were for guys that like bandanas and mag lights and keys, <laughs> and like shows were for people that actually cared about music that maybe had a band t-shirt yeah. or something. And now I say, I say gig. I, don't, I mean, I say it like, I guess I do. The same way like people say... We always used to say practice, right? Like band practice. Yeah. But then I know a lot of people that say we have rehearsal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like what you do for a school play, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. And I say rehearsal now too. Really? I say recital because we're a lot more. Like a <laughs> I have a recital. Yeah, that's that's nice. We got, we got a recital yeah. going. But yeah, I guess I, I I say gig and it, it hurts me. Well, it hurts Jeff and I that we have to end Big time. now. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you for having us. Thank a lot, you, guys. you for having for and you guys have real jobs now and everything. So Jeff. For now, do, yeah. do them off. Uh, guys, get home safe. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Worst gig ever. 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 ever.